Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes, and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. Welcome everybody to episode 20. Wow, episode 20, how exciting. Episode 20 of The Human Conversation with me, Jules White. I've got a really fabulous lady with me today. I'm very excited to learn a little bit more about this lady. And I was really lucky to go on her podcast not too long ago, which we'll also make sure we put a link in so you get to see both sides of me and Bev. But actually, I thought how great if she could come on mine as well, because I just thought there's more to this lady I want to know, because we had a fabulous chat. So with no further ado, I would like to introduce Bev Thorogood. She is a health and lifestyle coach, but she's going to tell us a bit more about how she specializes as we chat. So good morning, Bev. Good morning, Jules. How are you? I'm good. I, 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 you're a bit jet-lagged after your <laughs> whistle-top tour of the United States. How are you yes. feeling? Yes. Do you know, it's interesting jet-lag, isn't it? I guess there's a way to manage it, although it's my first time in the United States. So I stayed awake all day yesterday, having landed yesterday morning, and I fought it really hard at times. I desperately just wanted to go to sleep. And then last night, I went about 10 o'clock sort of bedtime-ish, early for me actually, and I slept the most wonderful night of my life. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Actually, there's, there's quite a bit of research there that suggests, I've never tried it, suggests fasting, having, having a 24-hour fast before you travel can yeah. really help with jet lag. I've not put it into practice, but Precision Nutrition or a big Canadian nutrition company did quite a bit of research on jet lag and fasting. Well, uh, it's, yeah, it was really interesting to read. It's funny because I watched a program, or maybe a couple of years ago, and they did an experiment with twins, twin guys, and they were both quite athletic uh, chaps. They were both traveling to the United States, same flight, and what they both did is they changed their meals. So what they were doing is one was eating what they would eat in time in the United Kingdom, and one was eating what they would eat if they were in the United States. So actually, it was all, as you say, it was all linked to food. It wasn't fasting as such, but it was linked to when you ate specific meals. And one had jet lag and one didn't. I can't remember which was which. That's the uh, that was going to be my question. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> but it was interesting because like you say, it was, it was con connected to food and your whole metabolism, which is why yeah. apparently you get the way you get. So... And I think that's true of everything, isn't it? We, we, we take food for granted, but it affects so much of what we do. And we don't think about, I mean, I wouldn't have ever thought that food would have had an effect on jet lag. No. I've been looking at sleep and, you know, yeah. sleep pattern. Exactly that. I know. So let's talk about Bev then. Right. So I kind of, what I like, quite like to go on journeys with my podcast uh, guests and just find out a little bit about where, where this all started. So obviously you've got your own business now, but tell us what you were doing before that and what led to you getting your own business. Oh, okay. Total, total change, really. So I 
I've actually worked in the public sector for 32 years. I worked for the Ministry of Defence, worked for the Air Force. And I've done that literally since I was 20 and I'm 53 next week. So I'd worked for the MOD for a long time in different jobs and in different positions, sort of working my way through um, sort of a few levels within the MOD. I didn't get massively high. It never interested me enough to go for promotions very often. Um, but I kept sort of sticking with it because my husband was in the Air Force. It was handy. It was safe. Um, and I, I guess I never sort of hated it, never really loved it either. It was, a, it was a means to an end. It was an extra income and it was a means to an end. And alongside that, when I was probably 26, I think, I trained with the YMCA to be a fitness instructor and did sort of group exercise classes, circuit training, aerobics, step aerobics. You know, complete with leg warmers and, and leotards, <laughs> the whole the whole 1990s uh, aerobics thing. Love that, Bev. Love that. <laughs> I, oh, I love my leg warmers. And, um, and I taught sort of alongside my day job off and on for, well, all my life, really, all my adult life since training. But it was always just a sideline. And um, so I'd always kept reasonably fit, but I'd always struggled with my weight I, can't, I just love food and I don't, my diet was rubbish I'd been sort of brought up on the whole low-fat food um, methodology you know this sort of um, slimming club low-fat method so my weight had all my adult life gone up and gone down. I've been everything from a size 16, 18 down to a size 10. And it kind of, I, almost I can, if I look back over photographs, I can kind of track my, <laughs> my roller coaster of weight. Yeah. So I got to 50 in January 2016 and I wasn't in a very good place. Mm. I was at one of the high points weight wise uh, of my life. So I was, knocking on about 13 stone five something like that so I was overweight definitely overweight I wasn't massively obese but I was much heavier than I, I probably felt comfortable or wanted to be but I'd also let my fitness slip mm. so I kind of hit this 50 this half century feeling pretty fat pretty frumpy very unfit and the menopause had kicked in Mm. and I'd got all of the sort of menopausal symptoms starting and if I'm honest I just felt like crap yeah. <laughs> or you know I'm just gonna you know use a different word there but we'll stick with crap I felt awful mm. um and there was a few things that sort of happened I moved jobs um in the November before I turned 50 still within the MOD I'd been doing the job that I had been doing for about eight years it was a training and coaching job it was an education as an educational coach and I loved the job but the environment I was working in was a little bit um, uncomfortable I don't want to say too much but it wasn't it, it was a bit of an uncomfortable working environment the people mm. didn't gel very well um, and I'd probably as I often do because I'm quite impulsive jumped ship to a different job and I ended up in a in a job with a wonderful group of people in a job that I was such a round peg in a square hole it oh. was not me at all it was 
completely the wrong job for me. Mm. So coupled with the menopause sort of symptoms that were kicking in, um, a, a lot of people don't recognize some of these symptoms as menopausal, but they are. So higher stress levels, anxiety, brain fog, poor concentration, uh, all of these things coupled with a new job that I didn't even enjoy just sort of kept building. So I kind of got to about March, April time and I was really low. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have the rags to riches hitting rock bottom, but in my own personal self, I mm. was at a, the lowest point in my whole life. Bearing in mind, I lost both my parents in my 20s and I'd gone through a pretty horrible divorce in my 20s. Hitting 50 was genuinely my rock bottom. And that's, and that's really interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, I've lost my mum and dad, but I lost them in my 40s as opposed to my mm. 20s. That doesn't mean to say it was any worse or, or, you know, any better. But I just kind of knowing what I know, I think, oh, my goodness, if I'd lost them in my 20s, this would have been horrific because I was so close to them. And so I had all of that extra time with them, you know, that you didn't get. So I kind of really feel that it, it twangs, you know, when you say about it. And yet the 50s and hitting the, the 50s and you, what you've just described felt worse than that is what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, it, 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 it was. And I, I, whether it's maybe because I lost my parents quite young, I hadn't had that time to grow to know them as adults. Yeah. So I was 22 when I lost my mum. Uh, so I never really knew her as an adult. She was all, even at 22, you're still a kid, really. I know you yeah. think you're grown up, but you're yeah. still a kid. Yeah. And I got married at um, 20 and moved away from home. So I don't think I ever really got to know her as a grown up and have the kind of grown up relationship. I mean, my daughter's now 28. We have a brilliant relationship because yeah. we're on a par as adults. Um, and I suppose I didn't have that. So the loss, whilst it was hard, maybe wasn't as impactful as you losing your parents in your 40s when you've learned to get to know them as, as grown-ups. Yeah, that's a good point. But, um, but also, I suppose, one of the things that came with hitting 50 was the fact that my mum was only 53 when she was diagnosed with cancer the second time around. She had breast cancer at 45, I think she was and then was diagnosed with secondary bone cancer at 53. So that, that turning point of hitting 50 for me was a bit of a wake-up call because I was getting very close to the age that mum had been when she died. Yeah. So I had that real sense of my own mortality, mm. coupled with the fact that I was very unhappy. Yeah. And... I just thought, good God, you know, I looked back and I think a lot of people get to this part of the, the, so this age in life and take stock. And, and I looked sort of back at what I'd achieved in life. And if I'm honest, I didn't feel like I'd achieved anything. Oh. And I thought I've got almost, you know, I've probably got longer behind me than I've got in front of me now. Mm. What are you going to do about it? And I'm very much one of these people that, Probably, probably not very sympathetic. I, my, my thoughts are, if you're not happy with something, stop whinging and whining about it yeah. and do something about it. Yeah. However difficult yeah. it might be, do something because yeah. nobody else is responsible for this. Um, when I say I look back and I hadn't achieved anything, I've brought up two wonderful kids. I've held down a job. I'd got into a management position. 
I've done a couple of half marathons, I've done a couple of endurance walks, I've done I've lots of things that I look back now in the state that I feel now and look yeah. back and say, actually, no, that's rubbish. You, you've achieved lots. Yeah, and it's, but, and that, and that, but that's interesting too because it's that kind of you don't acknowledge how great you are when you're in a really bad place because actually everything about you is rubbish. You know, so it's really true. So you get to the point where you've done that work, which we're going to obviously see in a minute on the rest of your journey. And now you're able to say, well, do, do you know what? I did do this and I did achieve this. And yes, you have brought up two beautiful children and that is no mean feat, is it? And then, and then you just, did you seriously just tell me half marathons, Bev? Really? A couple, a couple. Oh my yeah, goodness. I would love to do a marathon, but That's I haven't amazing. quite got there yet. No, it's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I mean, I played hockey for years. I played field hockey for 15 years. I was as fit as a fiddle and I had a knee injury and I totally get this whole thing where you, you lose that fitness and you, you do, and you're so used to just doing it regularly and you take it for granted. I'm just, mm. fit, like, I do this stuff regularly. And then all of a sudden you've actually got to do something to keep fit. It's a massive transition and I really struggled with that. So I really resonated when you were talking yeah. about that. And, and yet to run a half marathon now, it would, I don't like running and I've, got, I've had a knee injury. I'm nervous of it. So I walk. Now, I love mm. walking, but I'll probably do fast walking as people might term it. Yeah. But I, I don't run. I would walk. So I've done like marathon length walking challenges which are amazing they are aren't they when you've been running i'm like oh you know i kind of in awe of that even though i don't really want to do it Bev. <laughs> <laughs> well that first one was in cyprus i did the papos half marathon in about 1998 wow. and it was in december and we we were told oh it's never that hot we had a really hot december and i think it was up in the like late 80s early 90s wow. uh, degrees um Oh my word! I I don't think I even spoke to anybody for about an hour after I finished. <laughs> <laughs> and then I swore I would never do another one. Uh, yeah. But I did the Great North Run in 2011, and oh, as a Geordie, it had yeah. to be the one I did. So I knew you'd got Geordie in there somewhere, Beth. <laughs> That's so where I was brought up. Tell me about um, what was the kind of point where you said, right, I'm gonna gonna make this change. What happened? Oh, do you know, it's such a stupid, <laughs> stupid thing. I would love to be able to say there was this big aha moment and this big thing that happened. And it wasn't. I was sat in the office with my colleague, who's now a really good friend. And um, she was telling me about a cookbook that her and her husband were using. And it was the, the Lean in 15, the Body Coach Lean in 15 cookbook. And she was just telling me that, oh, these, these she hates cooking and they had, and I love cooking, but she said, oh, they've got these really great recipes and they taste great and you can do them in 15 minutes. So I'll bring it in and show you. And it was, it was such an anticlimax, but she brought in this cookbook and I have a, having a look through and there was lots of, lots of things I love that all the diets I'd done in the past said I couldn't have. And I have to say, I, I actually used to work for a Rosemary Conley franchise yeah. and, and teach diet and exercise um, but it was all low fat and yeah. here was this here was the body coach saying you could have avocados and cream and um, coconut oil and butter and full fat milk and I was like oh my god this is bloody amazing can yeah. I really eat all this and I was hooked yeah. and I literally signed up for his online 90-day program and I 
I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to know where the motivation came from, but I stuck to that 90 days almost, you know, almost 100%. Nobody can ever be 100%, but almost 100%. And I literally changed shape. I went from a size, I always say I was a size 16, but my clothes were so tight, I was probably an 18 in denial. <laughs> and um, I got down to a size 10, 12. I lost nearly, I think it was just over two and a half stones. Oh, that's amazing. My figure changed completely. Yeah. Um, and I that think, was... I think I know what the motivation might have been, though, for you, Bev. Uh, I think it was the fact you could have those lovely foods that you thought you could never was. have, to be honest. Yeah. That's, that's how it, it sounds yeah. to me. And I think there was, you know, you do... When, when you hit an absolute low, <laughs> the fear of change becomes less than the fear of staying put and I know mm. that's a bit cliche but it is the truth mm. um and actually once you've once you've got over that fear of what you're going to be giving up and actually you've hit the nail on the head I wasn't really I didn't feel like I was giving much up I felt like I was getting all the things that I'd, never, that I'd had to give up all my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> so my body transformed and I was of the opinion that the, I think when I was in that low, the only thing that I could see that was the problem with me was my physical appearance. And I had this sort of naive belief that if I could change my physical appearance, get slim, feel attractive, suddenly my whole life would be happy again. Mm. And it wasn't. I lost the weight and I got fit and I was getting you know, enormous compliments left, right and center. Um, and it was lovely and it did my ego a pair of good and to an extent it gave me a bit of my self-confidence back but only self-confidence in my appearance mm. but what it also did was make me take a really deep look at all the other bits of my life that I wasn't happy with mm. because I'd sorted this area the, the physical area but I hadn't got out the fact that I was in a job I didn't like I hadn't got out of the fact that I still felt like I'd not really achieved anything in my life. And it's really sort of over the, the sort of the few months, I suppose, following the end of the 90 days, um, I started just to revert back to old habits anyway. Mm. So I started to see my weight going back on. And I always, I always think it would be lovely to be able to pinpoint particular things that had happened that made me change, but it, it wasn't, it was a process. It was a process yeah. of change, um, a process of self growth. I started to work much more on my mindset and I got really into, one of the things I'd always been interested in, I'm a bit of a science geek. So anything to do with anatomy, physiology, nutrition, exercise science and exercise physiology, I, I, I absorb, I love it. So I was doing loads and loads of research because I knew that I'd lost the weight and I knew that I'd got fit and I could feel the, the habit slipping. So I wanted to try and understand why we go backwards again. Yeah. It's, and so that's, start, and that's, that's a good thing to understand, Bev. 
Hmm. Yeah, I'm still trying. I'm still trying. It's not an easy answer. I don't think it is easy at all. But I think one of the things when you're talking, I'm thinking is how many of us go and do these things where we have a new hairstyle or we lose weight or we buy some new clothes or some new shoes because it makes us feel better. But actually, we're not really addressing that depth of problem. That's really that stuff inside of how we feel about ourselves, which is kind it of... Is. It's putting the sticky plaster. The weight loss and the figure change was putting the sticky plaster over the top yeah. of what was going on underneath. And yeah, so I kind of got very much into habit change and behavior change and trying to understand habit feedback loops, why we feel the need to be rewarded. And that took me down further into the sort of the mindset and the, the, the beliefs that we have about ourselves, the limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves and all of the automated um, habits that we have in our subconscious that we've you know, developed through our childhood and through our experiences growing up. They're all in there, but of course they are in our sub, um, subconscious. They're in the unconscious areas of the brain, the automated parts of the brain. And so our logical brain is doing one thing and telling us, you know, you shouldn't be having that uh, treat or you should be going to the gym or you should, you know, you should be, you should be able to look back at your achievements and see how good they are instead of looking back and thinking you're, you know, you've wasted your life. But it's all the unconscious stuff that we have in there. And this all just fascinated me, Jules. Mm -hmm. And alongside that, gosh, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. Alongside that. (laughs) It's great. I'm hearing your story. That's what this is all about, isn't it? Um, So alongside that, obviously, the physical changes in me were very visible to other people. Mm. So I was getting a lot of people asking me what I was doing, how I'd done it. And as I was going through my own journey, because my background is in training and coaching, it felt very natural to be wanting to share what I'd learned and you know, um, pass that information and that knowledge on. And so I kind of ended up just inadvertently coaching other people around me yeah. anyway. And I, 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 I realized somewhere along the line that the thing I really missed in the job that I'd moved to was the coaching and the training element. Yeah. So thankfully, I'd still been able to go and do classroom training um, that was something I'd kind of negotiated when I started the new job that I wanted to still be able to do some of the classroom training. But it, it was the one-to-one coaching I really missed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that actually that's what would fulfill me, not working for the MOD. There's nothing wrong with the MOD. It's an, actually, it's a really good organization to work for. But it was never me. No, it was never for me. And it wasn't fulfilling that need that you had. Like you say, it's that that deeper need, isn't it? And there's so many people I think that will work in jobs where they're okay. The people they work with are great. It gets me money each month, but there's still that deep fulfillment missing. And I think that's the bit that's the real magic of being Mm. able to work for ourselves because we're really truly doing, we're choosing to do exactly what it is that makes us incredibly happy um, and it yes. makes a huge difference doesn't it it does and actually it, it's strange because it's only looking back now that I have left my job 
I will get to that little gap yeah, in, the, okay. in the story yeah. in a minute. I won't, I won't, um, I won't let you not. <laughs> it's only since leaving the job that I've realised how unhappy I was and how much I hated the work I was doing. Mm. Not the people. The people were never the issue. As a team, it didn't gel. Mm. So all through my career, it was never the people. In fact, it was probably the people that kept me there. But it wasn't until after I'd left and I looked back and realised how unhappy I was in the, the, the job. I'm not, I don't think I like working in a big bureaucratic yeah. organization. And because of the nature of what it is, it's always going to be that sort of hierarchical bureaucracy. Um, whereas now, of course, working for myself, I don't have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did it you comes just... with a whole host of other issues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there. definitely. And we'll, we'll touch on them in a minute, but did you just then just decide, Oh, well, I'm just going to have my notice in. Is that how it happened? No, no. So, um, so over when I lost the weight and started going on this sort of journey, I ended up sat about probably a year later. So it would have been Christmas 2016. Um, a friend that I'd worked with for a long time had left her job a, a few months earlier to go and live in um, Saudi Arabia with her husband. And um, she was home for Christmas. And we were sat drinking Prosecco in a, in a pub in Stamford in Lincolnshire, near where I live. And we were both sort of, just as you do as girlfriends, when you're having a few glasses of bubbly, chatting about what we were going to do with our lives. Now we were soon to be 50. Uh, oh no no we were soon to be we, we were 50 we moved on and uh, we'd always sort of run together we'd exercise together we said wouldn't it be great if we <clears throat> excuse me trained as personal trainers and helped women of our age to feel better about themselves and, and it was this big idea it was kind of tongue-in-cheek I suppose really uh, over a few glasses of bubbly but somewhere in there, I think we both kind of knew that there was a thread of, actually, this, this sounds brilliant. This is something we could really do. Mm. And we had a five-year plan. We were going to put it on hold till she came back to England after five years. And we were going to talk about how we were going to do it and all the rest of it. And it got to about February. And a lady that I had met online messaged me um, and she said, I've been following you. I really love what you've been doing because I was in another group that talked about weight loss and that sort of thing. Um, a coach, would you mind if I give you some free coaching? Is that? Yeah, no, no, yes, on, definitely. <laughs> um, so our first coaching session, she, she did what most coaches do and did a bit of background, tried to get, you know, get me talking about me and, and what I wanted out of life. And I told her about this conversation I'd been having with my friend and I was dead excited and couldn't wait till she got home. And she said, why are you waiting? Yeah. <laughs> that was my question. <laughs> and I thought, why am I waiting? Yeah. I was 51. Why am I waiting? And so um, long story short, I chatted to the, my friend in, in um, Saudi Arabia and we decided we were going to do it. We were just going to, if nothing else, get qualified. So we both signed up for our personal trainer course. Far easier for me in the UK. She had to try and fit it in with flights back yeah. from um, Riyadh. Um, so I did my personal trainer course and then realized <clears throat> the nutrition element to it was quite limited. Yeah. So I went on to do um, a nutrition course to train as a nutritionist. 
So I became qualified as a personal trainer. I was the oldest person on my personal trainer course, did my okay. hair. Love that. Um, Love that. And it was great. Um, and yeah, then sort of just started coaching. But actually, as it turned out, we both had a different idea of what we wanted to do with it. Mm. My friend was very much, she wanted to work one-to-one with clients. And I thought, I really don't want to be out there at 51 counting squats and, yes. and going for five-mile runs with people. Yeah. So I took an online model and a more of a coaching model. Mm. And it sort of expanded. I started my Facebook group. That started to grow and build. I started to get clients. I started to get paying clients, which was nice. Mm. And in March this year, I realized that working a full-time job and trying to run a business was too stressful. Something had to give. And I wasn't making enough money to walk away from the job uh, from a financial point of view. Um, Anybody that I think, maybe I'm wrong, um, but anybody that's naive enough to think you can start a business and suddenly match your salary overnight is is naive. Yeah, they are. Um, (laughs) I agree. (laughs) But but I had um, domestic circumstances that meant I was able to take a year so I, I, I had other commitments, um, caring responsibilities help, uh, for a disabled relative and also caring responsibilities. I was, I'm a grandma. I've got a, a young granddaughter and my daughter's a student nurse. So I was trying to help her with childcare. So it just made sense yeah. to walk away from the job. I actually asked the MOD for a year's special unpaid leave to help me through the the caring commitments and they rejected it oh. which at the time if I'm honest I was a little bit a little bit miffed about because oh. I'd given them 30 odd years of loyal service yeah um, and they, they rejected it but with hindsight it was the best thing they could have done because yes. it forced my hand yes um, so I resigned in March at the end of March last year to do this sort of full-time I gave myself a year to to at least feel like it was viable. Yes. So I've got another couple of months yet to, to make that decision and it's already made. It, I was it's just going to say, you it's got to, it's got to be already made because I've seen some of the things you've been doing Bev, and you've got a podcast of your own. You've obviously got your group, you know, all, all of this is exposure and, and visibility. And that's kind of the massive key to yeah. anybody being successful. You know, that's, that's part of it. It's not all of it, but it is a big part of it. And it's the part that a lot of people miss. And, and it's scary. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> so they do scary. like you did. They procrastinate and they, oh yeah, well, we'll do it here. And when so-and-so has done this, we'll do it. And then we all do yeah. that. But it's just a form of procrastination because there's a fear attached to it, isn't there? So, yeah. So, and so, also, I think, I mean, the, sorry, Jules. I was no, just going to say the big, the big trigger was that little bit of coaching. And all my coach did was ask me a couple of, actually, when I think about it, flipping obvious questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, why are you waiting? Yeah. What, what's going what's gonna to change in five years otherwise, other than the fact you're going to be five years older? Absolutely. Um, but we don't always see the obvious, do we? No, no, we don't. And when we were talking, when we started just before the podcast, I said, well, what do you, how do you want me to introduce you, Bev? You know, what are you? 
know, what can I tell the audience you are? And of course, you, we, we've uh, introduced you as a health and lifestyle coach, which makes complete sense from everything you've already just told us. Mm. But then you said something else to me, which I thought was very interesting, because being a sales coach, I'm always quite interested in how we do our little elevator pitch or you know, how we introduce ourselves. <clears throat> and you talked about a midlife transition coach, which I think is really interesting. Um, and uh, for me, it's actually more interesting than health and lifestyle coach, because now what you're doing is telling me what you're really focusing on and what your niche is. Yeah. So tell me more about what that means. Okay, so this is, I, I, I guess it's one of those things that you, you have to almost live something to know where you're going with it. Yeah. Um, and there's a fear of change and a fear of pivoting and, and making sort of, not, not sticking to your guns, but when I very first started my business, I actually was classing myself as a, a fitness and fat loss coach. And then I thought, actually, that's not what I want to do mm. because... And, and this, you know, if anybody's done NLP, language is really important to me. And to yeah. talk about fat loss immediately seemed to be talking about fat. Yes. And I was much more yeah. interested in talking about health yeah. and feeling good about yourself, not focusing on fat. So about uh, probably about a year ago, I changed the, the business name or what I do from fitness and fat loss to health and lifestyle because it was much more what I was doing was much more holistic. And when I talk about holistic, I, I mean in the, in the dictionary definition of holistic, as in looking at the whole body, social and, and um, physical factors, mm. as opposed to sort of complementary and alternative therapy yes. type holistic. Sure. Um, so that health and lifestyle seemed to be more fitting. But as I've gone again sort of through the, the, the changes in my own business and my own thought processes. A, the, the people that I attract who want my help are midlife women going through the change. Um, and they're going through um, not just physical changes, not just menopause, this whole, exactly as I had, that sort of, oh my God, what have I done with my life? What am I going to do with my life going forward? So it's this transition between what our life was before when we were maybe, you know, parents and building a home and making a home. And, and I suppose it's that empty nest syndrome gives yeah. you that. And I know not everybody going through midlife and going through menopause will have had children, but there will be some sort of transition yeah. because there's a physical, a biological transition happening. Yeah. And there's an emotional and, and mental transition going on as well. So, I'm just in that sort of point in my business now where I'm thinking health and lifestyle coach doesn't truly reflect what I do. Yeah. Midlife transition coach does. Yes. But do I go, do I go and change my website and change my logo and change all the other well, bits? And I think I probably will. Yeah. And I think the thing about this is that it's um, your ideal client is one of the most important things in your business because they're the guys you want yeah. to speak to I mean let's keep it simple because you know me I always do so when I say health and lifestyle coach it's quite general and it could be mm. for anybody quite honestly because most of us want to have a healthy lifestyle however yeah. when you talk about a midlife transition coach now you're starting to talk to a very specific audience before you've even started telling them anything about what you do, you've already told them that you want to speak to them. 
Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So actually it's very, Absolutely. very important that that bit is telling your ideal customer who you are and that you're right for them. So now already you've got my, my, my attention, mm. okay? Because I am in my midlife. I am going through transition in my biological form, as you quite beautifully yeah. put it. Um, and therefore, yes, you know, I recognize straight away, yes, oh my goodness, yeah, I've got these changes going on, Beth. Now, this lady knows all about that. She's been through it herself. So you see, that's the other thing. That it's about connection for me. Sales is all about connection. So yeah. I think midlife transition coach is a really great way for you to introduce yourself because straight away your audience, your audience, you really want to speak to, know what you do. So, and the other thing about you, I think, with this is you have been them. You have been your ideal client. And this is the bit where most of the people I work with get their aha moments because they realize actually their ideal client is, was actually them once. Um, yeah. so, and the trust then is huge because I trust you because you've been on that same journey that I'm currently going on. So who better to work with than somebody who's been on that same journey? Well, I'm sold. So it, it will be, <laughs> as of now, a midlife transition coach. It makes sense. I mean, when I think about what I do and when I think about sort of my own journey, I, I kind of think of it like a metamorphosis. So I always think of my pre-50 years as sort of the caterpillar years. That was me growing, yeah. feeding on everything in life, getting a bit of wisdom. And this sort of midlife transition is the chrysalis. <laughs> where lovely in a chrysalis where we're redesigning ourselves and and sort of figuring out what we want in our butterfly years yeah so when it. we come I out of chrysalis, we know exactly you know we come back into the world giving off beauty not just eating and consuming everything yeah. in life but actually giving back <laughs> and butterflies are beautiful aren't they yeah they are beautiful butterflies are beautiful you Absolutely. look at them and they look they give you joy and that's the, the idea of the butterfly years where we go through this transition. We actually come out because I think if you're happy, <coughs> excuse me, if you're happy and contented in yourself, mm. I don't, I'm not meaning Pollyanna style sort of, you know, burying your head in the sand type happiness, but genuinely feeling fulfilled and happy and, and, and at ease and, and comfortable with your life, mm. you're, Beauty shines through like a butterfly gives off beauty. Oh, and I think that's that, that's that sort of chrysalis period that I want to coach people through. Yeah, yeah. I that's, love this. What have this, I done? This is lovely. You know how much I love storytelling, Bev? This whole met metaphor is a beautiful way of putting it. It makes so much sense. You know, you need to, if you don't use that already, you need to use it, okay? I do. <laughs> Good. I do because Good. that's how I think of it. That's how yeah. I think of my own journey. And I haven't reached the butterfly yet. Yeah. I'm still in that chrysalis at the minute. Yeah. I'm getting closer to, to emerging. Yeah. Um, and when I talk about beauty, coming out as this beautiful butterfly, I'm not talking about having a perfect figure or no. having the perfect diet. It's I don't mean that. that. I'm, it's much, much deeper yeah. than that. It's having yeah. the beauty on the inside that shows on the outside. Definitely. So, I totally I, get it. And we, because we're on it, you know, this is sales and this is about niching. One of the biggest hurdles I've had in trying to define my niche is the fact that I'm unapologetically middle of the road. I'm unapologetically non-extreme, which is sometimes difficult. It's very difficult to sell moderate. It's not sexy to sell middle of the road. 
Um, what do you mean by so middle I, of the road though, Bev? What do you mean by middle okay. of the road? I think there's a lot of extremes. You, you can't have this, you must do this, you should do this. It has to be a certain way. And I just don't believe that. I believe that as humans, as, as, as animals, as, as beings, we're, uh, we're, we're holistic beings and we need balance. Mm. Uh, in so biological terms, we talk about homeostasis, where everything, all the body systems are in balance. <clears throat> so things like having, you know, ketogenic diets where you completely remove the majority of carbohydrates, for example, this is just one example, mm. is an extreme form of diet, which will suit some people. But my question would be, can you, can you see yourself eating a ketogenic diet in 10 years time? Yeah. And if you can't, it's not right. It's yeah. not the right diet for you. It's a yeah. short-term sort of fix. Mm. So I, my coaching is really about finding balance. And it's quite hard to sell <laughs> moderate, but that's where oh the balance is. I think it's easy to sell. I think what you've just described is really, really interesting. And um, I would want to know more about it. You know, I think part of the reason that that may feel hard to sell is down to you and not who your clients are actually. So well, you might be right. It's yeah. probably a, a belief and, and because it, you, you know, we tend to, when we're in the on the online space, we are bombarded with we messages are. from other gurus yeah. and other, yeah. you know, um, people, because we, you tend to follow people that do what you do to try and learn from them. Yes. And a lot of what people are saying is, oh, you won't stand out unless you polarise. No. So you've got to no. polarise people. No. And I'm well, not a polarising character. Yeah. It's just yeah. not the way I am. So, I'm so, of, as I say, middle of the road. So, Bev, you know, the first thing I want you to do is never describe yourself as middle of the road ever again. That's the first thing. That's, that's me asking <laughs> that. The second thing is, the way you stand out is by being you. And, you know, and that's an absolute fact. There's no one else out there who is Bev. Okay, in the whole world. So, so that's how you go out into the world. You don't have to go out in any way that's not who you are. So no. that's, that's the true reason you will sell. That's the true reason your ideal client will buy you. You know, I'm very passionate about this and you know that. You've probably heard me say some of this stuff before. But there's a lot of stuff out there. It's a very big noisy place online. It's getting noisier and noisier every day. And particularly in January, it's really noisy. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Yeah. But I think it's all about bringing it back down to, Bev, you have your story. You have your wonderful journey you've traveled, what you've learned on that journey and what it's led you to do and your passion. Now go out and do that as you. And that's all I would say to you. No middle of the road anymore. <laughs> yeah, I won't use that term. So, so basically where I've kind of ended up with is a methodology that I think works for me and I, it's working for my um, clients. Advice, yeah. um, and it, it's basically, it's what I call the nest method. Um, and it's, again, it's about balance. So nest was a nice handy acronym because I see this as sort of, rebuilding or refeathering our nest for the, yeah. for the the life to come and nest is basically nutrition exercise sleep and stress and our thoughts and feelings so it's really a sort of the mind body balance if you like and and the the way i i sort of see it is that for a healthy life not just through menopause but you know this is the area that i work in but for a healthy life in general if 
find in the balance, if you move the, if you shift the balance anywhere, there's going to be a corresponding shift. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I did my initial body transformation with the body coach, it was great. I had the body that I thought I dreamed of. Don't get me wrong. I didn't look like a catwalk model or anything like that, but for a 50 year old woman, I didn't think I was doing too bad. Um, so the body was looking good. But I was weighing and measuring every single ounce of everything I ate. I was really, um, I was taking exercise almost to an obsessive level. Mm. So yes, the N and the E in my nest were great, but my sleep and my stress weren't good. And my beliefs about myself, my thoughts and feelings about myself, were out of balance. Mm. So yes, I've got two of the four um, nest areas in balance. But actually what I've done, I'm, I'm, I've put weight back on since, since then, um, but I'm still very happy with how I am mm. because it's, it's balanced that, that nest again. So, and it, it, it is a constant sort of, if, I always think of um, sort of a boy um, bouncing on the, the surface of the sea, yeah. you know, you're going to have days where certain sides are a bit more up than down, but when you've got a, any kind of extreme in any one of those four areas, something has to give in another area. Yeah. I so agree. what I try and work with is keeping that nest as stable as possible. And that takes constant sort of no, course correction yeah. Um, yeah so for example I know now that in my from the exercise point of view because since I gave up work I no longer have as much walking to do I don't have to get up and go to the photocopier or walk 100 yards to get to the the loos and the tea tea bar I've got a two two stride walk to my toilet and, you know <laughs> a one flight of stairs to get a cup of tea so my movement um is much much more reduced so actually the E in my nest is something I'm working on at the minute to rebalance because yeah. that's got out of whack. But having that nest method just allows you to kind of almost sort of see where the balance is out and redress that balance. Does that make sense? Oh gosh, yeah, total sense. And I, I love how you've done it as well. It's very simple. It's those, it's just four letters and they're easy to remember what they all are. Even I can still recall what they all are. I know we've only just spoken, but it'll be something I will remember, something memorable, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and I love, I love that you've put it into that format because again, from a sales perspective now, you know, you, this, is, this is your product. You've, you've got this productization of the service that you provide. And obviously often service people, people who run businesses that give a service, as you do as a coach, as I do, it's hard for them to realize what their products might look like. Mm. And so actually this is a tangible project, a product now because of how you've described it and put it into this format, you see. Yeah. It's a lot easier for us to consume yeah. as, your, as your client. <laughs> But also, it was, it's a framework for me yes. in terms of coaching. So yes. I have that kind of framework to work to. So all of my coaching programs now are built around Nest. Mm -hmm. How they manifest is different depending on the program and so how high or deeper level we go into Nest. Sure, yeah. uh, but it's, for me, it's a framework that I can use um, to, to find those pain points that my 
clients have. Yeah. And it's also a way that when I first start working with a client, I can immediately see which area of their nest we need to work on first. Yeah, yeah I love so it. So it all that. sort of fits quite nicely together. Yeah, very but good. But otherwise, when, yeah, one of the things I did find when I first started coaching was it was too random. Mm. It was, yeah, mm. there wasn't any structure. And actually, mm. I'm not a particularly structured person, if well, I'm no, honest. I don't think I but, am, Bev, to be honest. But I think from a, for your customer and your, for your client, you know, that that has to be in place. That framework is, is really beneficial just for them to understand mm. actually what are you going to do for them. So what's in it for them helps. That really yeah. helps, you know. So listen, I could talk to you for hours and I know that because uh, we did last time, didn't we? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, think, I think I'd like to just make sure that the listeners understand um, how they get in touch with you. Um, and then we'll just finish off with some top tips of your experience of sort of being a business owner and what, you know, what you've learned. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm on most of the social media platforms. Um, at the minute, it's at Floresco Fitness. That's um, F-L-O. It's a bit like Tesco with a flow. Floresco. Lovely. And we'll put the links in the bottom of the podcast as well so people can actually okay. find the links. So, yeah. so, so on, Inst on Instagram, yeah. on Facebook, it's Floresco Fitness. Okay. Um, again, that doesn't really reflect what I want to do, so that might change, but you'll always find me by my name anyway. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm by my name. Um, I have a closed facebook community gorgeous community of midlifers that are, it's just oh it's like i always think it's a bit like a coffee shop where people yeah. come in from the natter and we support each other and it, there's a bit of humor and there's a bit of information there's a lot of inspiration uh, that's called 50 fit and fabulous all words lovely. lovely um and i'd love you know love people to come and join our community and then i have my podcast yeah <clears throat> excuse me, which is called Generation Exceptional and that's on iTunes and Podbean. And, and that's a uh, great podcast because I've been a guest so I can vouch for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Oh, and my website is um, floresco.fitness.co.uk. Brilliant. So just to finish, I want you to kind of give us your top tip for anyone who's thinking they might make that leap, you know, these procrastinators who might be listening, Bev, mm. what's your top I, tip to them? Can I give a couple of tips? Yeah, of is course you can. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> the, first, the, the first tip is invest in yourself because especially if you, like me, haven't had a business background, I'd always worked, I'd worked in the public sector. We didn't even have stuff to sell. So... <laughs> investing in you in yourself is huge and coaching is a great way to to go because we can get a whole load of knowledge but actually it's the uh, uh, um, application of it and a coach can help you apply it so that would be my first top tip and it's scary because yeah. spending big amounts of money on coaching if you don't necessarily understand what the coaching is going to give you mm. can, can be scary but definitely invest in yourself um, I was very lucky. My first coach came to me and did it for free, but she asked me the big question that got me going. Yes, it just took exactly. one question. I'd have paid her big bucks for that mm. because it got me going. Yeah. Uh, the second top tip, I think, is work out if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Um, and I'm not talking about shy or gregarious. I'm talking about where you get your energy because for me, I'm very much an extrovert. I get my energy from people. 
And I hadn't ever considered the fact that I'd gone from working in a huge organization surrounded daily by people to working in a home office without anybody. And actually for the first couple of months that really affected my mental health. Mm. Um, I now, I'm probably very well known in most of the cafes in my local town because I go yeah. out every afternoon just to get a coffee. I don't even have to speak to somebody, but I go out and have a coffee and just feel the energy of people. Yeah. But actually, Oddly enough, every time, not every time, often when I go out, I'll bump into somebody and there's an opportunity of some that kind in the meeting, yeah. um, whether it's kind of just get my message out or somebody who knows somebody who puts me in touch with somebody. So actually getting out and being with people is really helpful. Oh, if you're yeah. an introvert, I can't tell you about it because I'm not an introvert. You might <laughs> love that sort of getting away from people. But if you're an extrovert, just make sure that you don't lose that energy from people yeah and i think you it, the second point's really important actually probably more important than the first although they're both great valid points for people mm. to take on board but the second one you know you introvert people and i'm extrovert like you bev so i have no idea necessarily and i don't i don't also like to necessarily label people anyway but i suspect that introverts also do like to be with people or, or the have the company of people i'm absolutely sure they do just probably probably in a different way that we do mm. potentially um i think I it's think the energy isn't it whether yes. whether yes. whether some whether being with people energizes you or drains you and i yes. think for exactly. extroverts it energizes yeah Exactly. But I know there's a couple of ladies that I um, network with online. One lady runs a group particularly for introverts. That's how she labels her group is specifically for introverts. But I know the stuff she does is very much, there's online stuff, there's Twitter chats, there's meetups. So I know that it's about being with people as well, just like you say, in a different way and the way you get your energy is different. Mm. But that bit, just as a whole subject, when you start working on your own at home, is huge. And if you do nothing else, you find some groups online, you have virtual cuppers by Zoom or Skype, however you prefer to use these video platforms. Mm. But they're magic and it gives you that connection. If you can't get it face to face, that online video connection is almost as good without the hug, I always think. It is, yeah. It is, definitely. But and just to you. know that you're not, all your sort of self-doubts, and because we all have them, the self-doubts yeah. and the, yeah. the wobbles are normal. And, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely normal. We are not alone as, as entrepreneurs at all. There's a huge mm. community out there and they're all facing the same doubts and struggles and questions. And if you can start to share them, it's, it's amazing. It's kind of a reason I think you and I do our podcasts as well, is just to give that oh, reach yeah. out to people to, to say, look, here's, here's real entrepreneurs. This is, these are their stories and this is what they've gone through. And, and look yeah. at them. Um, so and we love yeah. talking. Oh, well, yeah, we definitely love talking. <laughs> Anyone know, knows me knows I love talking. But Beth, thank you so much. It's been really great to have our human conversation because I've learned an awful lot more about you again and your journey and how you got to what you do today, which to me sounds fabulous. Your midlife transition coaching is going to be brilliant for many many women out there you've got a huge audience i think as well as of ideal clients so it's exciting times for you i'm sure of it 
Thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting to you and it is exciting. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing what the next chapter brings. Yeah, definitely. Well, maybe you can come back on in a few months and tell us what you're up to next. So oh, that'd be great. Then, I'd love it. But thank you so much for today. And anyone who's been listening to us, I do hope that we have entertained you. I hope that we have inspired you. Um, and you know what? There's no such word as can't, as my dad always said. And the next episode will be episode 21. I've got a list of guests coming up for my podcast. I'm busy recording the next couple of weeks. So I've got some really exciting entrepreneurs coming on for human conversations. I do hope that you will come and listen in. We're on Spotify now, we're on iTunes, and we're on SoundCloud. So subscribe, like, comment, and listen. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time. Ta-da for now. You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.